In the previous two shiurim, I discussed the the eternity of Torah. That since the Torah is Akharish Baruch's will, the approximation of Akharish Baruch's will and wisdom, so it is like the Rabbana Shalom, immortal and infinite, and isn't limited by the human experience. And I mentioned in a previous year some of the statements of Chazal that Torah is an experience which transcends the human realm, an experience, the only experience from our realm that will be duplicated in Ulam Haba in the next realm. And I talked about the role of Torah in fashioning a universe that Torah predated the universe, Torah Kadmaliyolam Opayim Shana. And it was used as the blueprints. Fire Kaddish Baruch Hu, Kaddish Baruch Hu was Mistakel Bi'araisa Uvara Alma. Kaddish Baruch Hu peered into the Torah as blueprints and employed those blueprints as a model or template to create the universe. True, of course, the Torah is limitless and sweeping and beyond the human realm. So it would only naturally take superhuman effort to achieve Torah, to study Torah, to understand Torah. This, of course, is a statement rendered by Chazal, but already latent in many of the Psokim by the type of effort and commitment to Talmud Torah which HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects, and I guess expects on two levels. Even if it weren't a moral compulsion or a moral mandate, if Torah is so infinite and so sweeping, then its science and its inner wisdom can only be cracked through superhuman effort and commitment from a purely intellectual standpoint. The discipline is just beyond human reach. The Medrash describes Midrashim surrounding Perak Peiches and Tehillim Alisa Lamaram excuse me, Samachas, Alisa Lamaram Shavisa Shevi. Moshe Rabbeinu ascended to Shamayim. Alisa Lamaram, you ascended to the heavens Shavisa Shevi, and you took something captive. At least that's the way Chazal understand this Pasuk in Tehillim. And it's, the Pasuk is seen as a gloss for Moshe Rabbeinu ascending to heaven and fending off angels who were incredulous that Torah could be delivered to a mortal and human audience. And Moshe Rabbeinu spent 40 days and 40 nights battling these angels in order to secure Torah and to return it to a human audience. But not just, of course, intellectually and logically is there superhuman effort expected in the study and the acquisition of Torah, but also, of course, morally. If Torah is the pursuit of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's knowledge, the will of Hashem, the will which shapes our behavior and halachic fidelity, and the will which also allows us to understand the Rabbana Shalom and thereby forge a relationship with Him, so what else, what other human endeavor could have any value? Talmud Torah and Kula. The commitment to Talmud Torah is already latent in the Pesukim. Interestingly enough, the Torah itself is somewhat, say, casual, but doesn't really elaborate or articulate the overwhelming commitment to Torah study as a responsibility. Torah itself just writes, V'shinantam levonecha, a very well-known Pasuk in Kriyashman, of course, by intuition, by inference, you can't teach Torah if you don't study Torah. But the Torah does not stress or accentuate the importance of Talmud Torah. It's almost as if it's intuitive, it's self-evident, and 
doesn't require. It's like saying there's something so obvious that it doesn't have to state it. I'll talk about the Pasuk, which alludes to it, at least according to Chazal. But where the Torah is very, um, and almost neglectful to mention it, for reasons, both Nevi'im and Ksuvim begin by stressing the overwhelming nature of Torah study. Again, both the moral as well as the logical reason that such superhuman efforts are necessary to acquire Torah. In Nevi'im, Nevi'im begins with Sefer Yoshua. Sefer Yoshua, Perak Aleph, begins with the well-known Pasuk, You should study Torah day and night. Interesting language of Vehagisabo doesn't say Vilamaritem Tara Yamavalila, Vehagisabo Yamavalila. And Tehillim Parak Aleph, and Tehillim is effectively the beginning of the part of Tanakh known as Ksuvim. So Tehillim begins with more or less the same mandate and the same demand of Ashriha Ishashem Lolach Basashim of Derachatam Lohamad, etc., etc. Uvisaraso Yehegeh Yamavalila. Fortunate is the person who studies Torah day and night. So where Torah itself, the Chamish Chomshay Torah, doesn't accentuate the importance of Talmud Torah, Yom Avalayla, both Nevi'im and Kesuvim, begin on that note. But there is one Pasuk in the Torah which Chazal saw as a Pasuk mandating the ethic of what is known as Amelus Torah, of working and striving and toiling in Torah. Keep in mind that the first bracha, we recite three brachas every morning upon Talmud Torah. Loosely taken, one bracha describes the act of studying Torah, the first bracha. The second bracha describes the both the Masara, delivering Torah to our children, as well as the pleasure of Talmud Torah, the Harevna, Hashem Mokinu, and the third bracha describes the selection of Am Yisrael, through Torah. But the first bracha is articulated as a bracha of la'asok b'divrei sara, to toil, to work, to commit that effort. Not lilmo tara, but la'asok tara. In the previous year I mentioned the imagery of Yisachar, the Shevet who was more dedicated to Talmud Torah than some of the other shvatim, is being described as a sturdy or robust donkey bearing a heavy weight. Yisachar chamor garem. Rovet's benemish beside this is what Yaakov describes Yisachar. And Rahilamas Oved, a donkey who is willing and able to carry a heavy load. And Chazal see this also as a reference to the heavy, exhaustive load of Talmud Torah. But the Pazik, which Chazal interpret in the Torah as a reference to the ethic of Amelos Batara, is of course the well-known beginning of Bichokosai. So at a literal level, this first Pasuk in Bichokosai, which of course introduces the Tochacha, this covenant of mitzvahs and, and Jewish sovereignty. If we keep mitzvahs, we retain sovereignty and prosperity. If we abdicate mitzvahs, we suffer, we lose welfare, and of course we lose our sovereignty over Eretz Yisrael. So Chazal are a little bit mystified by this language the second phrase you'll perform my mitzvahs but what is so Chazal covets that a person should be amel in Torah now how exactly Chazal traced the concept of amelus batara to the phrase is itself a very interesting question if you're interested, take a look at Rashi in the beginning of Bechukosai, who quotes this translation 
And some of the commentators, Tarashi, attempt to trace the concept of a melos batara to the syntax of but either way, this becomes a very mantra for Amelus and Tara. I heard a report that Yeshua Lev Diskin, one of the Rabbanim of the old Yeshua of Eretz Yisrael, would give every Friday night, would give a parshashir, which was attended. I think it was in a private home, maybe even in his home. And I have someone who reported to me that they heard from someone, this was a well-known parshashir, that one year when Rabbi Yeshua Leib Diskin, the Maharil Diskin, gave the Shion B'chukosai, he quoted this Rashi, and basically he spent the entire Shion just repeating this Rashi, Shiyu Amelim Matara, Amelim Matara, Amelim Matara, almost crying and, and yearning for it. Shiyu Amelim Matara. Now what's interesting about this Medrash is not obviously just the concept of Amelos Batara, which hopefully I'll describe through some other Midrashim and other statements of Chazal, but the prefix or the preface to this, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Misavet. Very interesting. Typically HaKadosh Baruch Hu isn't Misavet. Typically HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands. We are the recipients of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's demand, not of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's desire. What does it mean HaKadosh Baruch Hu Misavet? So first of all, that phrase, Ms. Ave, highlights how valuable and important, how precious and relished Amelus and Torah is, or as is known in the modern context, Hasmada, learning with great vigor and great intensity. But it may also acknowledge that it isn't something which is possible to demand as a common or commonplace responsibility. Not everyone will be able to reach that level of intensity and passion and commitment of Amelus Batara or Hasmadar and Torah. Everyone has to study Torah. Every person has to learn Torah. But not everyone will be capable of reaching Hasmadar, so Kaddish Baruch Hu can't or doesn't command it. He rather offers it as a higher plane for people to reach. Certainly it's seen as preferable behavior, but it isn't something which is sanctioned legally or, or demanded legally. So this is something I want to talk about in a future share about how, how, do, how does Torah become, on the one hand, something which is overwhelmingly mandated with every minute of our lives, and on the other hand, in the real world, the recognition that not everyone will follow that, but yet everyone still is commanded to Talmud Torah. But nevertheless, this Pasuk in Bechlokosai becomes the source for the concept of Amelus Batara, at least the concept in the Torah itself. Now, there are several statements of Chazal which stem from this. Obviously, the most important one is the type of effort, type of sheer force and commitment necessary. So, for example, a very harsh Gemara, it's a Gemara in Brachos, as well as in, in Sanhedrin, Zos Taras Adam Adam Kiyamuz Ba'ohel, a Pasuk in Chukas, which describes the laws of a person who dies under a structure and his his corpse is found under that structure so anything in that structure receives Tuma known as Tumas Ohel but the Gemara in Brachos and Samach Gimel has a play on words those Taras Adam Adam Kiyamos Ba'ohel Ein HaTara Nikneis Ela Lameisha Meimis Atzmo Aleha Tara can only be acquired by someone and it can only be truly acquired by someone who kills himself of, of for Torah. Mamis, now, this is a very, very harsh and stark statement. And it also seems as if 
the statement isn't just for moral reasons, as the statement of Bechukase may be. HaKadosh Baruch Hu covets it because the pursuit of Torah itself is superior to any other activity. But it's almost as if it's recognizing that Torah can't be acquired through casual, relaxed, uh, comfortable effort because it's just simply too broad for the human mind at peace with itself to be acquired. Um, another Gemara, another uh, interesting Gemara is a Gemara in Sanhedrin on Daf Chavav commenting on one of the nicknames of Talmud Torah. One of the nicknames of Torah is Tushiyah. Based on a Pesach in Yeshaya, Parak Chafes. Hiflaitza Hegdil Tushiyah. Amar Efchanan. Lamra Nikra Shema Tushiyah. Why is Torah referred to as Tushiyah? Why is that one of its nicknames? Bibnei Shehi Mateshes Kochan Shel Yisrael. Or Kochan Shel Adam in this case in the Gemara. Because Torah is so overwhelming both in the physical toil necessary to acquire it, and not just physically, but even mentally. When you study Torah and you scan its breath and you try to control it and organize it and classify it, all of a sudden you realize that it is beyond the human mind. It's not just how many hours or how hard you study during those hours, but the fact that you're engaged in a wrestling match with an overwhelming force that's just larger than your mind's capability to, to control. Torah is too sweeping and too infinite for the human being to neatly package and classify. So it's overwhelming. It breaks the human spirit. And of course it's meant to break the human spirit and as with anything so challenging it forges the human spirit because it's so difficult. That's the well-known story of Rabbi Akiva. Quoted, of course, in Avas Jaminasa and standing by that well and seeing water sculpting a rock. And we all know the story, but the language sometimes isn't fully appreciated. He makes a kalvachomer, actually makes a kalvachomer. Mayim harach, mayim is a soft substance, is a liquid posel, a sakasha, can sculpt a rock or a stone, which is a harder substance. So he continues, Torah shekasha kibarzil, Torah which is hard and, and, and difficult, like iron, like metal, it certainly can sculpt a human being, a human heart. So here the Akiva, as well as the Gemara and Sanhedrin, are commenting on the fact that Torah is difficult, is challenging, but not incidentally, or just so happens that Torah is so difficult, but almost as if Torah is meant to be difficult, and the level of difficulty may have moral yields, um preventing us from wasting our time, preventing us from too much interest and excess um, boredom and ennui, which may lead us into very, very negative ex- experiences. This is alluded to by some Midrashim in Chazal Mateshes Kochan. It occupies us. It doesn't just break our will, but it occupies our energy and our commitment for healthy investment. But according to Rabbi Akiva, it's not just the moral yield, but it's also the existential and experiential development for a person to develop their soul through Torah, for Torah to actually shape the human being, the human life. The more difficult something is, the more we have to engage, the greater effort, the greater sacrifice. The greater sacrifice, of course, the more existentially developmental and impactful that truly will be. So these are two statements, related statements. One is the Gemara in Sanhedrin. One is, of course, Rabbi Akiva's famous Kalvachomer. Mithashem, as we'll soon see, 
there could be a difference between Torah Shebechsav and Torah Shebapeh. Torah Shebapeh carries a level of difficulty and challenge, a level of complexity and, and ambiguity. That Torah she, not ambiguity, but uh, it's, it isn't easily obtained, it isn't easily captured, as Torah Shebechsav can be. And um, some people some are very uh, troubled by the chaotic nature of Torah Shebechsav. But that may be not incidental, that may be intentional. So this is one set of Gemaras, or Mamari Chazal, in this case of Bekiva, the story of standing by the rock. But it also, of course, um, demands not just effort, but also a certain lifestyle. The Gemara in Brachos quotes a different Pasuk in Mishle, Ki mitzchalav mitzaf dam. It's a pasuk which likens, um, how should I say, the transformation of dairy products into butter or of, uh, of, of, um, of bodily fluids into blood. The basic point of the pasuk is to talk about the dangers of anger. Mitzapayim yotzi riv, the conclusion of the pasuk, that the juice of anger is effectively argument and contentiousness and, and uh, confrontation. It uses um, transforming, in this case, dairy, milk, into butter. But Chazal take the word af, the word anger, and interpret it as follows. Where would you find the butter of Torah? And again, butter of Torah suggests a higher brand of Torah, not the only brand of Torah. Chem ashel Torah. For me, the Gemara continues... Person who literally throws up his mother's milk. Very, very harsh imagery. And of course, an imagery which is tinged with irony. In order to achieve butter, you have to regurgitate milk. So there's an ironic twist to this Gemara in Brachos. But this Gemara demands not just effort. But it demands, in order to achieve the higher form of Torah, a rejection of earthly pleasures. And in this case, not just indulgent pleasures. The well-known mission in Avos, Kachi Darka Shal Torah, Paspa Melech Tochal, Mayim Ba Mesera Tishta, V'yaharetz Tishan, V'chaye Tzar Tichya, Avos Perek This is the way to acquire Torah. Eat your bread with salt, with minimum spreads, drink your water in measured, uh, or in this case not elegant fashion, sleep on the floor, live a deprived or ascetic lifestyle. So this Gemara, this Mishnah in Perkei describes a person trying to avoid perhaps indulgence. Um, very well known Gemara in Sanhedrin, where Rav and Rav Kahana were having a conversation and Rav noticed that Rav Kahana either while he was learning or on the way to learn was Chayef Reshe. Uh, he was uh, scratching his head, or it wasn't really scratching his head, it was oiling, or he was um, somehow applying some sort of ointment to, re- to receive pleasure. So Rav quoted a Pasuk in Eo, You won't be found, or you won't find in the land of the living. And Rivkahan was a little bit uh, insulted almost. Are you, are you cursing me? Are, are you insulting me? So Rav answered, No, I'm just telling you a Pasuk, then you can't. Succeed in Torah, if you are constantly, as Rashi explains, if you're constantly pursuing Torah alongside of earthly and personal pleasures. So that Gemara suggests that 
in order to study Torah properly and to acquire Torah properly, you have to withdraw partially from the pleasures and indulgences of our world. But the Gemara in Brachos, that very, very dramatic and almost caustic Gemara, isn't just saying to withdraw from pleasures. It's describing someone who even withdraws from the most natural, routine, developmental cycle. Someone, someone who nurses um, mother's milk, it's not a pleasure, it's not an indulgent uh, pleasure. That's simply classic, uh, normal child development. And it highlights the fact that since Tara is so, as it were, unnormal or non-natural, it isn't just part of, of the human realm, its acquisition requires superhuman or extraordinary, not just effort, but lifestyles. The truth is that the first acquisition of Tara, the first time that man acquired Tara, set a precedent for both of these aspects, the type of effort necessary and the withdrawal from earthly pleasures, be they normal pleasures or even indulgent pleasures. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he describes to Am Yisrael um, the Torah and, and the, in the end of his life, so he uses an image of rain, and of course the image of water is a classic association with Torah in Mayim but the type of water and rainfall in Parshas Hazinu seems very violent. It isn't only the peaceful Geshem or the well of water or the ocean of water, which Torah is oftentimes likened to, but pelting sheets of rain. Ya'arof kamatar lekhi. My statements, my lekach, my Torah, should fall on you like rain. Well, rain falls in many fashions, but this rain... Moshe is describing is Ya'arof. Sounds like it's beheading the person who receives it. Very violent image. Ya'arof is probably best known, that phraseology or that root is probably best known in the form of Eglarufa, the, the animal, the calf, which is beheaded if an anonymous body is found in a forest and the locals, the proximate towns have to gather and confess that they had no hand in the death and offer an Eglarufa, Ya'arof. So Chazal paraphrased Moshe's statement to Amisul. Moshe effectively reminds them in the end of his life when he realizes that they now have to study Torah in his absence without his presence. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, Atem yodim kama tsar nitztarti al Torah v'kama amel amaltiba v'kama yegia yagatiba. Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, this is taken from a Yalkut Shimoni. Um, Moshe Rabbeinu tells them how hard I worked how much effort I produced, and how much tsar I underwent. So it wasn't just the amelos and the yegiyah, phrases which are common to the effort produced, but kamatsar, how much pain and how much suffering I experienced in order to acquire Torah. And of course, as we know, Moshe suffered on two, on two levels. One which I mentioned before, as the Medrash writes, nechnasti leben hamalachim, nechnasti leben hachayos, nechnasti leben hasrafim. I entered a realm of not just celestial beings who was unfamiliar and fearful, but celestial beings who were um, antagonistic to my interests, and I had to fend them off and had to battle them, again referencing all the Midrashim surrounding Moshe's ascent to heaven. But it wasn't just the entering a foreign realm which was overwhelming to a human being and even to Moshe, but 
as Moshe Rabbeinu so often reminds him, Lechem lo achalti ma'im lo shasisi. I didn't eat, I didn't drink for 40 days. And he concludes, Kishem shela madati osa b'tzar, just as I study Torah under duress, kach tihiu lemedim atem, or osa, in this case, you should also study Torah b'tzar. Now, and, and therefore he employs a very harsh image of pelting rain that, uh, that can cause tsar or pain to you and being. Now, of course, this is not a very, very popular image, in, certainly in the modern context. And, of course, it could become a bit, um, a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It could become a bit irregular and, and unhealthy if taken to an extreme. Our own modern context preaches balance and health, but it also sometimes courts mediocrity and um, lackadaisical, lethargic commitment to religion in general and certainly to Torah study. And all these midrashim, whether it be the type of effort, whether it be the withdrawal from the indulgences of our world, are reminding us that Torah has to have a level of relentlessness to it. And, and however that word tsar is taken. It's meant to be latent in the in the plane of Torah study, and it's also meant to be formative, as Rabbi Kiva recognized. And Tsar is not something which we should shun or flee from, but Tsar can be a healthy part. You know? and we live in a in a culture of convenience and of quick solution, and of uh, which we try to live worry free, no worries, with as much bliss. And obviously, there are wonderful ramifications and and and, out, and um, yields from that type of cultural attitude. But that's what sometimes makes Talmud Torah so inconsistent with the cultural mores at many levels in, in general. How much commitment does or doesn't exist to Talmud Torah? Not just in general, but also even within Talmud Torah. What types of Talmud Torah are or aren't popular? Um, Certainly the downtick in the popularity of classic Gemara Be'iyun. Classic Gemara Be'iyun is, could be argued to be the most difficult form of learning Gemara. You're essentially throwing open the entire sweep of a sugya, and not just all the opinions of that topic, but this logic and the debates and the Havamina and the Maskana. It's far easier to learn Halachalamaisa, just to say, well, which... Which shittos are important? Which shittos are almost backwards? Start with Shekhanar, Which shittos are quoted? And of course, take a casual glance at the Gemara just to locate the source of those shittos. Certainly easier to uh, the great popularity of Bikiyos or the great popularity, Baruch Hashem, of Dafiomi. Dafiomi has become, over the, the past uh, 20 years, the most popular form of Torah, Baruch Hashem, because most people today don't have the ability or the interest for deeper forms of Gemara study, and it's popularized Harsha Balpeh for very, very broad audience. But it certainly isn't as formative, for sure, and isn't even as intellectually sound as studying Gemara with some level of in-depth analysis. But that is a exhaustive, challenging, um, and sometimes uh, the easier experience is the one which becomes more popular. But these Gemaras and these statements of Chazal are stating the obvious, that if Torah is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will, it lies beyond the human reach, the human grasp. It has to be achieved through superhuman effort. It's a very interesting statement, just to conclude, 
which uh, distills this in a slightly different fashion. There's a mission in Avos, in which Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who is the Talmud of Hill and Shammai, in Lamadita Torah Harbe, it's a mission in Avos Perak Beis. If you studied large quantities, large volumes of Torah, Al Tachazik Torah Don't let it get to your head. Don't feel that you're special. That is why you were created. So it's important in Gemara, morally, danger of Torah, one of the great dangers of Torah, creating the vanity and haughtiness and personal hubris. So this is a Mishnah which is meant to combat that. But it's also a philosophical, there's a philosophical tone to this Gemara. Human beings are created to study Torah, to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to develop that relationship with Kodesh to so many aspects of religion, but to Talmud Torah is the most direct conduit to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there's a medrash in the end of Ayikra Rabbah, which describes the controversy surrounding Sefer Kohelis, another philosophical work, and so many statements are provocative and even abrasive, and one of the statements, which is not just abrasive, but which is fatalistic, Basically dismissing, trivializing any human effort, and any human uh, agenda, any human industry. There's nothing, it's pointless. What, what possible good can come from it? So initially, people wanted to banish. People wanted to uh, marginalize, say, for Kohalas, because it just sounds like so dismissive and fatalistic. But the Darshan, in this case, or other Midrashan, that suggested it took a few generations until Chizkiah scholars were able to understand Shlomo's intention, that Shlomo was effectively highlighting the value of working in Torah. There's no purpose to worldly pursuits, but to otherworldly, extraterrestrial pursuits which transcend our world. There are there is purpose. Anything which is part of the human realm is fleeting and is transient and is passing. But then So this too is a statement of Chazal employing the strategy or the phraseology of a Melus and Tara. And several Midrashim uh, including several Gemaras as well, take this one step further. Everyone was born to work. Adam la'amal yulad. Everyone was born to work. Everyone has work in their life. The state of the human condition is one of toil, is one of effort, is one of hard commitment. And the Gemara says, I don't have the Gemara open in front of me right now, but it's several statements in Chazal. Some people work in the fields. Some people work in other areas of industry. Fortunate is someone whose work is expressed through Talmatar. So this is a collection of statements of Chazal which highlight the importance of Amelus in Torah. But almost as if it's, it's normalizing it within the human condition. If that Pasuk in Bechukosai and the attendant drush of Chazal projected it as something over almost superhuman. Most people can't achieve it, but there are those who are able to achieve a melus and Tarana Kadesh Baruch who covets it. 
This view of Chazal, human beings work. It's natural for the human condition to be involved in toil and in effort. Fortunate is someone whose effort is committed to Torah. But it's almost as if Chazal would fend off people who would complain, how come I have to work so hard to study Torah, to achieve Torah? So Chazal was saying, human beings work. Adam le'amol yulad. People are born to work. State of the human condition is hard work. If your work is the work of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, to pursue a Kaddish Baruch Hu's will, to understand a Kaddish Baruch Hu's will, then Ashracha v'tov lach. So these are some statements of Chazal surrounding the ethic of a Melus and Torah, of Lasok b'divrei Sarah. And again, the mandate for Lasok b'divrei Torah is twofold. One is morally, Torah, Torah, Shekula, Kinegadikola, Mitzvos, what action could be more important than the pursuit of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's will? The second mandate is not just moral, but it is intellectual. If Torah's parameters are so large and sweeping, then it can only be acquired through extra human effort.